Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. In today's podcast, I have a very entertaining conversation with John Kim, a licensed marriage and family therapist, about his new book called It's Not Me, It's You, that he wrote with his partner, Vanessa, who's also a licensed marriage and family therapist, all about relationships. Some pearls of wisdom that John drops in our entertaining conversation, where we swap relationship stories, include some profoundly simple and excellent tips, such as how to see the beauty in the contrast, so how to see beauty in the differences between you, and how to first try to understand before being understood, and how resentment can build up like a toothache, so how to deal with any underlying resentment before you have to, metaphorically speaking, have your tooth taken out and how learning each other's love languages and attachment styles can help you navigate relationships peacefully, and finally, how to break the blame cycle. So join me in today's podcast. Life can be hard, and it's easy to feel stressed, anxious, and out of control. What if there was a way to take back control? What if there was a practical way to detox your brain? This is now possible with NeuroCycle, the first ever scientifically tested brain detox app shown to help reduce an anxiety and depression by up to 81%. Users are guided through a variation of audio and video, brain exercises and mind management lessons every day. I'm excited to share some of the latest features in the app, including guides for children and parents, detailed feedback and recommendations, written guides through days 22 through 63 of the NeuroCycle, and an easy way to track your progress. There are over 500,000 NeuroCycle users worldwide, and the app has helped change thousands of lives, including people trying to find purpose in life, overcoming fear, better sleep, improved relationships, managing intrusive thoughts, depression and anxiety, and so much more. NeuroCycle is for everybody. No matter who you are, what you've been through, or what you do, you have an incredible mind and brain that is always on and needs to be managed so that you can live your best both mentally and physically. This app is designed for individuals, couples, families, businesses, or corporations, for everyone, everywhere. Join us by committing just a few minutes a day and see how your life is transformed. In just 63 days, you will have begun rewiring your brain for a happier and healthier life. Download the NeuroCycle app today and start changing your life one thought at a time. Just look for NeuroCycle on the iTunes App Store or Google Play or visit NeuroCycle.app. The link and more information will be in the show notes. John, it's always so great talking to you. You and I have done some amazing lives and you we always have such wonderful conversations. And yeah. I'm so excited to be interviewing you today on my podcast about your new book. It's not me, it's you. And it's not just you, it's John and Vanessa, your partner, yeah, right. and the mother of your baby and your baby. The last time we spoke, I think your baby was about a few months old. Yeah. Is it that long since we've spoken? No, it's we spoke been, last year as well. Yeah, I think the year. baby was about a year. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, so. a baby's a year and a half. And, you know, there, there's nothing more telling that time is going than a baby's growth or the height lines or the cognitive leaps. It's so crazy how fast they grow. Isn't it amazing? John, my kids are all between the age of 24 and 31. And two are married. And three of them work for me. And in fact, my son, my three daughters. And in fact, my son is also a contractor. He writes, he's an author. And he's Mm. co-authoring children's storybooks with me about mental health. So all of them are involved. But it's true. Like now, I mean, I still feel, I remember when they were the age of your child. It does. It flies by. And it's it's just an amazing time. Let me ask you this. What was your favorite part? And and you did it four times. What what are the favorite years for you? 
You know, every it's, it's people often ask me that, and I found it every every stage has been so interesting. Mm-hmm. Every stage. I mean, it sounds so cheesy, but really, it's just too fascinating to watch them. You know, the baby stage is just so cute, and you know, when they start becoming independent, that two year age when they start recognizing they're separate from a, they, you know the parent, that is fascinating. As young adults, it's yeah. amazing how much parenting you still do, John. That's what's been so interesting for me. Mm. Once a parent, always a parent. It doesn't mean if they're adults that you, you're still parenting them, but it's a different, you know, it's, it's different. It's, it's fascinating, but it's so different. So I've, I've enjoyed the, the stages, the stage changes. They've been amazing, but I love being a parent. I mean, it's really fabulous. I'm dreading high school. I hated the first year. I'm now loving the two and a half, you know, they're just talking. So cute. She's like, don't touch me, my body. There's a lot of stuff happening where you could just see this person emerging sense of humor, personality. It's, it's, it's amazing. But yeah, I got to be honest, the first year I, I did not like it. It is challenging that first year. I think for me, the hardest years were the 18 through 22 university oh, yeah, years, yeah, yeah. there's so much transition happening oh, and there's imagine. so many things they're dealing with and yeah. this world is so challenging. That is, That was the hardest part of parenting was those four years, I found. Yeah, because they're now, I mean, they're adults, so it's yeah. like, yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's the transition yeah. from being a young adult, you know, being in at home and mm-hmm. where you're still very involved with their life to them growing up, that transition. And so they're making the transition into adulthood and you have to make a transition as a parent and change how you parent. So you have to grow. And that's very hard and seeing them battle through things because life is challenging and nothing, as we know, it's not going to be simple and wanting to still protect them. And yet Mm -hmm. you have to stand back. That's probably been the hardest thing is to know when to intervene and that kind of thing. Yes. And let me ask you this, and maybe this is a great segue. How did you, work on your relationship while raising four kids? How did that impact your marriage? Oh, yeah, that is a great question because yeah. we, Mac and I, have been married 35 years next year, wow. which is great. And we've been together 36 and a half years. In fact, we're renewing our vows next year, which is so cool. Mm. And honestly, we have a phenomenal relationship. I say mm-hmm. that up front. It's like really, he's my best friend as well as everything else. But definitely it was more difficult with children. Oh, yeah. So they were, and the biggest thing was the way he was raised, because he was raised by parents that were very absentee parents. They, they Mm. were, he was raised in the Serengeti. They drank a lot, kind of absentee parent. He was put in boarding school at four and only saw his mother a year later. And multiple divorces. So he had a kind of a traumatic childhood and was very, he's 67. So he was very, it was very disciplined, very disciplinarian. Now, I'm 10 years younger than Mac, so it's slightly different age. Uh, sort of, And I was in a very solid, very f- one marriage, parents, very much involved, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So it was very different upbringings. So mm-hmm. when we, and, and there were things that my mom did and dad, which is always, we, we always said, we're not going to do the bad things our parents do and, and right. you're going to do the good things. Right. But I was determined to be very connected with my children because my mom and dad grew up in an era where you weren't that connected with your children. There was still quite a lot of discipline. So even though it was different to Mac, it was still great parents and everything, but there was th- that deep connection that allowing a child mm-hmm. to express themselves. So I decided to bring up our kids being able to really think and challenge and ask questions and be the place where they could talk safely because I could never do that with my parents. And I didn't believe in harsh discipline. Mm-hmm. And Mac grew up with harsh discipline and children have their place. So there was conflict. Right. So where we had our first major conflict was around disciplining children. And we had yeah. to really work with it. He's much stricter than I am. And so we had to work that out. Yeah. There's just so many factors. And now I see 
how hard it must have been for my parents. They came here, you know, with $500, two kids without speaking the language. And I was just like, man, Crazy. how did they do it? We have, we have so much more. And, you know, our parents had so much less and they did more. So it's been really eye-opening and it's a learning experience for sure. And, and, and just relating to that experience, one of the things that's, I think, so great about your background and your upbringing and what you're seeing, what your parents is, there's going to be an inclination. I don't know if you've already found this to protect your child and to give them everything you never had. Mm-hmm. and almost take away their chance to be, and I'm not saying you do it because I don't know you and I don't know how you're bringing it. I mean, I know you from talking to you, but there is that, I've spoken to a lot of immigrant parents and mm-hmm. um, also that there's this inclination to, and I in a way almost did it with my own kids a little bit, where you want to protect them from everything and not let them go through hardships, yeah. but they have to. So I, write, I talk sure. a lot and I write a lot about safety net parenting versus helicopter parenting yeah. to allow them to suffer through the challenges of life. Of course. But just reading your book, I know that you're going to have the right approach. I think you're going to be an amazing, already an amazing parent. We'll so, see. I, I got started late. I didn't start when you started. I'm going to be the parent that is dropping or picking up the kid from high school on a Harley and wearing Vans. And they're going to say, hey, your, your grandpa's here. Cause my hair, <laughs> by the time she's in high school, I'll be, I'll be completely hair white. I'll be in my 60s. Yeah. Oh, that'll be cool. They're going to love it. They'll, they'll love it because you, you're so young at heart, John. You'll always be, you'll always be young. So you're going to have more children or is this, is this? No, no, one and done. One and one done. One and done. That's why you one can't believe done. I had four. Well, that was back then. That yeah. was very normal. So I have lots of kids. Yeah. But I yeah. didn't want children. I mean, not that I don't like children, but I was so into my career. And then one mm-hmm. day my husband said, well, let's adopt one. I said, okay, well, you know what? Let's have one and we'll adopt one. I had one. I was so in love with my children. I had four. So I ended up having four. So that was I, I could, my- And I could see that. I could see <laughs> after, but I just, man, I, you know. You've got to do what's very, right for you. Yeah, you got to do what's right for you. And I know yeah. there's a lot of, lot of judgment when it comes to parenting and all that. You know, the, the idea of having a kid for your kid, I'm not really into. A lot, no. of, a, lot, a lot of people buy a dog and they're like, oh, we need a dog for our dog, that kind of thing. And suddenly you have a litter. And man, I no, just. No, John, you know, I agree with you. My kids, I say to my children, if only have children, and he has a mother of four, mm-hmm. if you want them. Because yes. it's yes. such a commitment. And a couple of my oh, kids man. have made the decision not to have children because yeah. they just, they've seen and they appreciate my parenting, but they said it's consumed your life and they're yeah. not sure if they want to go. And that's, I honor that, you know, that I hate that parents get so judged. It's really, yeah. you know, now it's, it's really not fair because you, you need to do what works for you and you and your partner. That's yeah. really so important. Well, you know, you're a great example of someone who was, you know, career driven. My partner, Vanessa, also a therapist, is very career driven. Yeah. She comes from the corporate world and not allowing children and motherhood to stop that train. And I'm sure very that important. train had to ver, you know, veer a few times, but for kids, they're all, you know, grown and you're building your empire, you're writing books, you're doing, po- you're doing everything. So that's, that's pretty amazing. Oh, no. Well, thank you. You're very kind. Yeah. And I had a lot of judgment along the way because it was, I mean, I'm, I'm 58. And so when I had younger children, mothers didn't work in that. It right. was very unusual. Mothers gave right. up their careers and stayed at home. And I never yeah. did that. And all the way through coming to America was even worse than South Africa when we moved here and mm. our kids were growing up in school and they would like, oh, shame, your poor child's being neglected and you're not there. And, and I was there. I went to every event that they had, but yeah. I was traveling and working and you know, so yeah, a lot of judgment. I know what it feels like to be judged as a parent. Sure. And that's why I'm so cautious of judging parents. I'm so on parents' side yeah. of not being judged. Even yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that is yeah, that is a that is a thing. So you you guys, you and Vanessa, I love that you wrote it together. Because mm-hmm. I know your story and I know that people know your background story and you're welcome to dive in. So where would you like to start? Do you want to I mean there's so much great stuff in this and material. Do you want to just I- 
Where would you like to start? I would like to start with the tone. When I set out to write a relationship book, this is my first one as far as relationships. I was dating Vanessa. We're both therapists. And I thought, you know, it would be easy for me to write a relationship book. But what if I wrote it with my partner? Because then she could call me out on my shit because she's also a therapist. That terrified me. And so... (laughs) Whenever something terrifies you, that it's a good sign to see if it's coming from a place where you could be challenged and you'll come up with yeah. a better product. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, is it terrifying you in, in, in kind of a, a way that can be, you know, unhealthy? And so I sat with it and I was like, you know, we should write this together because it scares me. It's going to force you to call me out. And the tone of it is not, you know, the expert behind a podium or anything like that. It's saying that we are therapists and our relationship, uh, we struggle with the same things everyone else does. Uh, relationships are not easy. And of course, you know, the, it's not me to use obviously humor at how we, we blame in relationships and we don't take ownership, including therapists. Yeah. So oh, I'm glad you said that. I mean, that's, it's so true. If I think of the background I've gotten, how, how many mistakes I make and still make and that that's all part of it. It's, it's not an easy ride, but you, if you work at it and that's what you say, I mean, you say so many wonderful things. I, I wanted to just, just dive in. I like there was a summary. Oopsie, I'm grabbing your little note that you sent through. Unlike most relationship books, which send you off with nothing more than a hope and a prayer, it's not me. It's not. It's not me. It's you. Gives you a concrete way to in, concrete way to inc- integrate the book's lessons into your daily life, and permission to curse along the way. John and Vanessa have the vulnerability and self awareness to unpack their own failed relationship to help you approach things differently. And their personal advice paired with, paired with true expertise provides you with fresh insights and tools on how to be a better romantic partner, friend, colleague, parent, and citizen. I mean, I, I just love that. You, you kind of just summarize it. And you have some great points that we can hit on how to forge your own idea of a sustainable partnership, mm-hmm. why lightning in a bottle is actually a dysfunction. I want to definitely talk about that. How mm-hmm. to un- understand and unpack financial difficulties, how to chisel away at your childhood protection mechanisms. I mean, these are such great topics. And why you should love... Like it's going to end. I mean, this is brilliant stuff. So where are you going to start, John? Thank you. Let's start with the lightning in the bottle because Please. I think we all grew up with, you know, the the whole like happily ever after and the one. Disney. From <laughs> D- Disney and, you know, the, the person that's going to save you that comes on the white horse. And, you know, that programming, you know, unconsciously, we, we now have this blueprint, which is very dangerous because it creates a, a giant cliff of expectations. And so I fell into that trap. I was a hopeless romantic. I believed in the one. And I thought, you know, if I go down, you're going down with me. If you go down, you know, and, which is very unhealthy and it's enmeshment yeah. and codependency. And now I believe I'll give you my hand, but not my life. Before, I used to believe in the lightning in the bottle. I used to believe that, you know, you lock eyes with someone and the, the hair is on the back of your neck goes up and this is the one. And this person, you know, blows your knee high socks off. And, and then, you know, you want to spend the rest of your life with this person. Disney movies should start with not the meeting, but when they move in and you start to see the dirty socks on the floor and the coffee grinds that irritate so you. <laughs> And all the, the the differences, you know, and so, yeah, believing in the one, I think is dangerous because it, you know, the one is the one that's in front of you. That's it. Because if you start believing that. in the one, then you're going to put a black light to your relationship. No relationship is perfect. And you're going to start wondering, oh, I wonder if I'm not with the one. I wonder if there's someone else. That's who, very important. Mm. Yeah. And so you can, you could kind of like not, not really work hard at it. You could use it as kind of an escape mm. hatch, you know? So with Vanessa and I, and we talk about this in the book, it wasn't love at first sight. It was kind of a slow burn. It was not biting an apple, biting an onion. 
or peeling, pe- not biting an onion, peeling it, peeling an onion, right? Layers. Peeling an onion. Yeah. And I had a lot of ambivalence in the beginning. I, I was busy being single on purpose and I was trying to yeah. do everything that I didn't get to do in my 20s. Like, you know, one night stands and all the stuff that I wanted to. And I didn't yeah. get far. I didn't get far. I met Vanessa. And because I was ambivalent, one foot in, one foot out, it caused a lot of conflict. And then she said, listen, let's take a break for a week. You know, either shit or get off the pot. Be with me or don't. And that was a kind of a huge awakening for me. And I decided to go all in. And even with that, we're very different. Different love languages, mm-hmm. different attachment styles. And so, yeah, it's been, we've been together for five years and it was a very rocky beginning, but I think it was, it's okay. I don't think that because the beginning is rocky, that it means that that person is not for you. How would you like to give a holiday gift that will be appreciated every night? I have two suggestions and a special offer from Cozy Earth, the brand that made Oprah's favorite things five years in a row. My first suggestion is Cozy Earth Bedding. It's made using the finest premium viscose from highly sustainable bamboo. Their bedding is naturally temperature regulating, so they'll sleep comfy all year around. I sure do. It's by far the best bedding I have ever slept in. And for me, great sheets means better mental health. My second suggestion is Cozy Earth's luxurious loungewear collection. From their ultra soft lounge pants, tees and pajamas for women, to their popular joggers, pullover crews and hoodies for men. Cozy Earth loungewear is designed to flatter everybody type. And check out their premium plush and waffle bath towels. You'll love those too. Plus, every Cozy Earth bedding item comes in a beautiful reusable canvas bag. No gift wrapping required. Save 40% now on Cozy Earth. Hurry, holiday offer ends soon. Go to CozyEarth.com and enter my promo code, Dr. Leaf. That's D-R-L-E-A-F at checkout to save 40%. That's CozyEarth.com promo code, Dr. Leaf. The link and offer details will be in the show notes. I love what you just said. You know, when I met Mac, he came from this background that I explained. An incredible guy. We, funny enough, we had a bit of a lightning in the bottle experience, I have to tell you, which was mm-hmm. interesting because sure. he was on his way to America. He was just coming out of a divorce. He was never going to get married again. I just come out of a really bad relationship and I had mm. two marriage proposals from other people. So we were both in these oh, really wow. weird places. And you were in was, demand. It was, but it was just so weird, weird places. You know, he's coming out of a divorce and he's gone away. And, just, and we just connected and Yet in the first, Wait, how, did you, how did you guys meet? Like we a, met through an ex-boyfriend of mine, which mm. is hilarious, and that was just, and it just like it, it really was that situation. But then I went overseas for one. And long story short, is that there was a period that Mac was got in his business grew, 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 and his mm-hmm. partner, and he became an alcoholic, and he already was a drinker, mm. but it was under control. Now my dad was a drinker, so I was always kind of scared of that, but he didn't wasn't wasn't an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So Mac was kind of drinking like my dad when I met him. But then he became an alcoholic over the first sort of the period of our kids being born, mm. the four the of the four children. And I remember year eleven or year nine saying to Mac, You're gonna to have to choose. I mean, you know, like Vanessa said to you, you're going to have to choose whether you want to stay married and you know, I'm not bringing my kids up with a drunk and alcoholic, right, or right. you're gonna to have to change. And it was over literally we had thousands of dollars worth of alcohol in our pub at home in South mm. Africa and he Went from that conversation, because we'd come home the night before and he was drunk driving home, wouldn't let me drive. That we survived, four kids. I write about the story, but the point being is that he immediately, after that conversation, woke up the next morning, I had the conversation that you make a choice now. 
emptied the alcohol and hasn't touched a drop since. Wow. Now, I'm not saying that I'm anti-alcohol. I mean, I'll have a drink now and then. I didn't for years because I supported Matt. My kids drink. I'm not anti-alcohol. Mm-hmm. It was the relationship he had with alcohol sure. was wrong. Sure. It was de- until he dealt with his stuff. So that was a very rocky time in our marriage. You know, we, we had to make a decision, both of us, how we were going to move forward. And thank God we did. We, you know, we survived and moved forward with our marriage to a better place. So Rocky is, is I get it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Rocky doesn't mean that it's not meant. Rocky no. means it means that two people are going to go on their hero's journey. They're going to go have to slay dragons and look inward and do a lot of hard work. And that's what builds the legs of a relationship, not just, you know, that. not just amazing sex and, and connection, you know? Yeah. It's, it's those things of how are you going to navigate through the differences in, as you said, your love languages and yeah. The discipline or your child doesn't, I mean, they're still young, but just child rearing practices. You know, that's something I wanted to ask you. You both come from such different backgrounds. Did that impact how you are rearing your, your child? And has that created any level of conflict? And how have you navigated that? That hasn't because we're kind of on the same page, but I can Amazing. see how that can be a touchy subject. You know, we all have firm blueprints on how children should be raised. It's also a very sensitive topic. So when you have two very. people coming in and, you know, one's maybe more disciplined or one has ideas for, you know, certain schools or, or, or even like what sports are going to play or, or, you know, what name, what clothes. I mean, you know, all the it's thousands of decisions. I could see how that can create drift and anger and resentment. Yeah, it's compromised. It's a lot of conversations, a lot of communication. And I think looking inward, which is, it's really hard to do. And and I know it's rare, but instead of, and this is in the book, is try to understand before trying to be understood. I like that. It's been one of the most powerful things for us to take a beat. Talk about that. Mm I just feel like if two people are, because what we do is we, we blame, we defend, you know, we become lawyers when there's conflict and we try to get the person to understand us and to see the world through our eyes right Mm. if we try to understand before trying to be understood and you have two people doing that now the space is neutral the space is really rich for growth the walls come down now there's empathy vulnerability and it produces relationship glue you know so Mm. both people have to be doing it but when when there's conflict if you both make the promise that okay i will try at least for a second i will try to understand you before trying to you know place my judgments my shoulds or trying to morph you in a way that i think is you know right or attractive if two people are trying to understand before trying to be understood it flips the magnet back you know, oh, it, creates, it creates a bridge instead of walls. And so I really like simple things for me mm-hmm. because I'm just a street level guy. And so whenever we go into any conversation that's going to be difficult, I say to myself, I'll take a beat, maybe have a you know sip of, of tea and say, OK, as we're going into this, John, try to understand before trying to be understood. It's my mantra. I love that. I really love that. It's a total self-regulatory mind management process that you're using. And it just doesn't that just like take all the steam out of the yeah. out of the situation? Talking about trying to be understood instead of understood, it makes me laugh. At when Mac and I were in, we got married. We were both Catholics at that stage, practicing Catholics at that stage, mm-hmm. and we have you had to go on a marriage encounter in order to get married in the Catholic Church. And one mm-hmm. of the things that the it was actually really good because you learned about money and finance and a lot of these things that you you know you have to sit and negotiate and work these things out. The funniest thing though was the priest said when you're having an argument. And he also said, said something about the be understood, but not not quite as clear as you've said it. You said it beautifully. 
but he said, try this. Try taking all your clothes off, holding hands, and then continue the argument. Oh, I, I like then, his better already. I like his better. Uh, okay, forget my, forget my advice. I like this one. <laughs> Take all your clothes off and hold hands. Ooh, I love this. Keep isn't going. that the best, best way of resolving an argument? And I'll tell you, my kids, that's like the one thing that comes up in most conversations <laughs> is because they were told this from young, you know. So that was, you know, anyway, that was just a little funny thing. So you understand, like, it's really easy to understand each other wait, after that. Wait, 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 real quick, because um, I, find, I find this fascinating. But you know what? I, I think that works because if you take your clothes off and you're holding hands, yeah. you are literally naked. So there must, exactly. be, there must be power in showing yourself and being vulnerable before you start the conversation. Exactly. And it'll save time for, you know, the whole, the, what is it called? The, the, the after fight sex. Exactly. <laughs> you can have it before and then you can right. have a better fight after. <laughs> I, you know what? I like that bit of my concept. I'm, I'm rewriting. It's going to go in the second edition. Good. Take your, there take we your go. clothes we'll off to, and hold hands. I know. Isn't that great? I tell you, I love it too. I talk about it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Second edition. So, okay. So let's talk about the childhood protective protection mechanisms. Because I think that's really, Mm. really a great thing to talk about. Because how that kind of just comes into marriage just naturally because it's who we, it's how we've coped. You know, and this kind of goes into attachment styles because attachment styles happen early on, right? How we attach to our caregivers. What's interesting is uh, Vanessa and I are very different. I'm an anxious, anxiously attached, you know, I'm holding onto her leg. And she is avoidant, right? So she's mm-hmm. she's kicking me off and running the other way. And I think it's really important to be. And now there's many attachment styles, and we just kind of go over the the the, the three or four, right? And secure yeah. is where everyone everyone's trying to swim towards secure attachment. Mm-hmm. But what's really important is to know your attachment style. So when you notice your behavior or thoughts, you can challenge them, right? Because if you don't. Because I used to think that's what love was. It's not that I'm anxiously mm. attached. There's nothing wrong with me. You know what? I'm romantic. That's why I want you to not have any friends. <laughs> I'm, I'm romantic. That's why I want yeah. you to be with me 24 yeah. seven or so. And then also like love languages, you know, I love words. I need you to write me letters. I need you to tell me I'm sexy. I need to feel desired, right? Vanessa yeah. doesn't need any of that. She's all about acts of service. She needs me to go get the car washed, right? That Mm. turns her on. And so if if I'm not aware of this and she's not aware of my love languages, there's a lot of just, you know, mismatches, right? And so instead of me taking her not writing me love notes and saying that I'm attractive as rejection, I, I understand that's how she's wired and how she'll show me love is you know, maybe she'll make me dinner or she'll, you know, do something that, that is of service because that's how she expresses love. And then for her to know that if I write her name in the sky, don't ask me how much that cost. That came, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, that came yeah. from my heart and that's how yeah. I show love. And so an understanding of that and then the challenge for you to not minimize your love language, but just stretch a little bit and try something different. So Mm. I try to do acts of service. You know, I will go put gas in her car without asking, you know, do chores, do things that make her life easier because Mm. I know that means a lot to her and that's how she sees love. And then she actually has notifications in her phone that says, you know, write John something. <laughs> oh, like, I love that. You know, or you know, give him a compliment or whatever, it, because she's not wired that way. It, it'll it'll never happen. And so sometimes that's what working on a relationship looks like. You know, notifications and reminders, and you love being aware of how your partner is wired mm. and why. And instead of trying to change them, 
meeting halfway. Johnny, I hear you say this, and I think how wonderful that you and Vanessa have reached these kind of sort of milestones in your relationship at this stage, because it's so, it's so important. People may not be, I mean, most people have heard of love languages and, mm-hmm. and attachment styles, but they may not have the, lang- the psychological language to explain that. But it's so, it's so important to, to uh, tune into the other one and to create a blend. So you've, as yeah. you say, when you stretch, you've actually blended. And, you know, there's something that Mac has done with the whole time that we've been together, which is 36 and a half years, he's always bought me breakfast in bed. So literally oh, wow. every, day, every day, coffee, literally every single day. Oh, my God. He brings me, amazing. unless we somewhere that we have to get up early and there's, and even then even mm-hmm. in a hotel, he will go and find, get me coffee because I don't like those hotel coffees in the rooms. He'll right. go and get me coffee and he'll find something or make sure that there's something there that I like to eat or whatever every single day. And wow. that's his, his love language is also doing those things. Service, service. The service, the acts of, like for his kid, the kids, he may not sit and talk for hours with him, but he'll mm. do things for them. And they've had to, because all, my kids are all very verbal and, and I'm very verbal. So they've kind of taken more after me except for the one and the others. So they had to learn with Mac as well that Mac's active love language is not sitting, me, it's long talks and yeah. Mac, it's the doing. He does things for them, you know. So, it's, it, and it can save so much. I know you're talking about relationship between mm-hmm. partners, but it does translate into your relationship with your kids too. You know that kind yeah. of thing. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's universal. So it's not just totally intimate love because you know it's it's the way that we are. It's the stuff that's baked in us, right? It's, it's our wiring. So it doesn't start and end with just intimate uh, romantic relationships. You know, it's family members, it's friendships, it's just how we are in the world. So exactly being aware of that. I'm glad you said it's not just love because even in friendships, the way that we show love. Yeah. You know, it's something that we could work on for sure. Exactly. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, John, one of the things that you love to say is finding beauty in the contrast. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? Because that's just yes. so, I love that statement. Yeah, and this is another misconception. I think that we think that, you know, our partners have to be like us, right? So mm. I used to think, you know, if we don't have the same sense of humor, the same taste in music, the same, you know, energy when it comes to, you know, uh, uh, sex and all, I thought, okay, then you're not for me. And I realized with being with Vanessa, because we're so different, you got to find beauty in the contrast. And so that means to not push away our differences, but lean into and not only lean, mm-hmm. lean into, but start to find beauty in what the differences are. You know, so Vanessa and I, we have very different. She's a vegetarian. I eat meat. Right. So instead of instead of trying to get her to eat meat or her trying to get me to be a vegetarian, can you find beauty 
in who she is and, and, and why, right? Different humor, you know, whatever it is, right? If it's so big where it's like moral values, then yeah. That, then it's that different, be, yeah. It's different, it might be a deal breaker, but you know, the way that we love, what we, the t- how we see the world. The t- and so when we start to find or try to find beauty in our differences, Again, it's creating a bridge, right? Instead mm-hmm. of instead of blaming, instead of saying, "Oh, that person, why can't why can't she just be like me?" That's something we get uh, all the time, you know. Oh, and it's totally. Like, yeah. Why would you want them to be like you? This is such an important topic. It's something mm-hmm. that you need to take a little deeper because so many people have said to you, "I know," and they've said it to me, and I've even said it that I always say sorry first. Why don't you? Until I realize that, oh, Mac did an act of service. He did say sorry. He bought me coffee after that argument. Oh, interesting. You know, that right, kind of right. thing. And it's just to start reflecting on yourself, how we, how we so in a, in a heightened emotional state, how we'll get so focused in on ourselves and how we, our mm-hmm. own perspective. So what you're saying mm-hmm. is, is that whole thing that you triggered off, that you started off with, the understand the other person before you understand yourself mm-hmm. is, in the, it's linked to this beauty in the contrast, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. you've actually got to shift into their perspective, understand them, see the difference, and embrace yeah. that difference. Yeah. Am I explaining it? Am I understanding you, you correctly? Is that yeah, what you're trying to yeah. say? I'm it, sure it you does, can say it, it better. It does overlap. Uh, trying to understand before trying to be understood and also finding beauty in the contrast and the differences. It's actually giving instead of taking at the end of the day, mm. right? This is how we're going to discipline the kids. You know, this is what we're going to spend the money on. Why can't you be more like me? Why can't you this? Well, that's taking. That's that's grabbing uh-huh. love, right? Okay. If you're saying, hey, you're different than me, I not only see it, but I actually see beauty in it, right? I, I Now you're holding love. So now you're giving. If you say, oh, I'm so going to try to understand you before... I try to explain myself and that's an important piece too, right? I'm not, that's good. Yeah. I'm not just minimizing. I'm not just saying, you know, you're right. I'm saying, let me just understand you first and then I'll give you my opinion. Right. And it may be very different. Mm. So that is also giving that instead of taking. So like all these it. are coming from a place of giving. And so when two people are doing that again, it's bring it's building the legs of a relationship. When we are in a taking mm. mindset, because that's lined with control and judgment, when we're taking, I think it suffocates the relationship. Oh, you know, totally. it's like I always I always imagine like when you're feeding a pigeon, if you go after the pigeon with the bird food, it's it's always gonna fly, right? Yes. But if you if you hold your hand up and hold the bird food like you're holding sand, it takes the building of trust, then they come. And then they come back the same time the next day and suddenly you have a flock of pigeons all coming to you. And I feel like that's how love should be is we should hold it, not grab it. Oh, what a beautiful analogy. Hold it and not grab it. That is Mm -hmm. just amazing. And yet we in a culture, the Disney culture, the quick fix mentality, the, you know, if, if my mind needs aren't being met, there's something wrong with that person or I'm with the wrong person. So people don't take the time to develop the relationship or they always want you to take but instinctively, it goes against our natural grain as humans because as humans, we are givers naturally. Yeah, we want to we yeah. want to give, but we've we also trying to meet our own needs. So there's almost like this conflict within us. But if we if we focus on the giving side, I love that. That's like where, really where do you where do you think the taking comes from? Do you think that take comes from us feeling out of control? Because I think on a deeper level, we're not taking because we're selfish. I think the taking and the grabbing comes from a place of fear. Oh, definitely. It comes from a place of unmet need, trauma, mm-hmm. the fear that that generates, things that you've experienced yeah. because your experiences become your story, you know, there. And right. so 
that's how you view, that's where the childhood stuff and everything, whatever, whatever you've got, other, set, other marriages, you know, whatever, if you had multiple marriages or multiple partners or whatever, that kind of thing, I think it's coming from there. And so that, that, that need wasn't met. So you're mm-hmm. looking for someone to meet that need. So if, it don't, if I don't get that, you know, it's, it's a scarcity in my life. I think that in, so when we get to the point where we can trust someone like, you, like you're laying out the foundation, let me try and understand that person and just take the time to listen to them. You know, listen to what they're saying. Is this what you mean? You know, yeah. like, have I understood you correctly? It's those kind of little things that shifted my relationship and, and the work that I do as well, helping people just to ask those simple questions. And, and it, let's it also say, let's also remind everyone, including each other, that it's not easy, right? These, oh are, my these, gosh. Are, these are hard things to do that you must practice daily, like it's, transforming it's, your you've, body. It's, you've literally got to wire it in. Sometimes, yeah. there's, you know, the work I do with, with neuroplasticity and yeah. how long it takes Rewiring to do the mind-brain yourself. body. That's all your stuff, yeah. It takes, it takes 63 days minimum for, a, for one cycle just to get some kind of a new thing built in. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you, you've, you've got years of doing something one way. You know, there's some things that uh, 35, 36 years into being together, Mac and I'll say, oh, gosh, this is something that we've been doing. Okay, let's do a 63-day neurocycle to rewire. So there's the journey. There's the progress. You've never completely made it, but each step is taking you to a new level of of enjoyment in the marriage. And even then, when the things happen in the beginning of our marriage, I don't know if you found this in the beginning of your relationship, if something major happened or a major argument it was like this huge thing. Now that happens is oh, okay. Well, we have the tools in place. This is a, we can work this out. Mm-hmm. We can because mm-hmm. we've trained and practiced yeah. not letting, not going into silence or pulling away. If something, yeah, yep. we would have this. We have this thing that if we have an issue, we will stay up all night if we have to. We will not go to sleep until we've got to a level of resolution. And yeah, that's been I love very what, key I, I, for I love us. what you're saying because you're saying so the training produces trust, and when you have trust, you're not. In fight or flight, you're not fleeing. You're not afraid that this you is all going to trauma response. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're in more calm. Right. And so that's exactly. going to produce a response instead of a reaction. And so, yeah. Tra- and, and this is also, you know, with, with fitness, you know, exactly. training, you don't, you don't work out over the weekend and think you're going to have abs the next day. No. And everyone understands that, John. This has always been a question that I pose to people. We understand that about working out. Yeah. We understand to become a pro anything you have to work out. But when it comes to our relationships, there's this un, un, unrealistic expectation that, that mm-hmm. the first problem is the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Well, I, I think one, because we wait too long, right? We, we, we start changing when we're almost at the end or out the door. And then two, with physical stuff, you can see it. So you could see, you know, losing fat, building muscle. You could see the transformation that motivates you. With relationships, I guess you could experience it, but it, it doesn't happen overnight. It's incremental. It's, you know, and also we snap back. So sometimes that things are good and then we snap back. But if you do snap back, notice that the snapping back may be shorter, right? Or, mm. you know, you're no longer throwing chairs when you fight. The, notice all the yeah. stuff. And this is also seeing beauty in, in the, the growth, in the mm-hmm. contrast, and not just getting down and putting a black light on your relationship and just seeing everything that's wrong, but start to see what's right. And then you can notice, oh, things are changing. People are growing. Mm. You know, it, it's happening. And so that that may encourage us. But if you want things instantly, because we live in a very instant gratification world, good luck. <laughs> You're going to be very the impatient. Never going to be satisfied in a relationship. Yeah. No, yeah. it's going to be very, very difficult. Are you feeling irritable or anxious? Do you struggle with insomnia? Do you have a lot of muscle cramps or twitches? Are you constipated sometimes? There are dozens of symptoms of magnesium deficiency. 
So these are just a few of the most common ones. It is estimated that four out of five Americans are magnesium deficient and almost everyone is at suboptimal levels. This is a big problem because magnesium is involved in more than 600 biochemicals react reactions in your body. Now, here's what most people don't know. Taking just any magnesium supplement won't solve your issues because most supplements use the cheapest kinds that your body can't use or absorb. That's why I exclusively recommend Magnesium Breakthrough. It's the only full-spectrum magnesium supplement with seven unique forms of magnesium that your body can actually use and absorb. When you get all seven critical forms of magnesium, pretty much every function in your body gets upgraded. From your brain to your sleep, to a reduction in pain, inflammation, and better stress management. And here comes the best part. The makers of Magnesium Breakthrough, BioOptimizers, are having an incredible Black Friday special offer from November 21st to the 29th. You can get not only Magnesium Breakthrough, but all of BioOptimizers' best-in-class products for 25% off. BioOptimizers only offers this discount once a year, so don't miss out. Just go to www.biooptimizers.com forward slash Dr. Leaf and enter the code Dr. Leaf 10 to get 25% off any order. This is the best time to stock up on the products you love and try new ones. That is www.biooptimizers.com forward slash Dr. Leaf with the code Dr. Leaf 10 to get 25% off any order from November 21st to 29th. Want these products sooner? No problem. There's always 10% off for my listeners with the code DRLEAF10 at www.biooptimizers.com forward slash DRLEAF. Order now while supplies last. The link and details will be in the show notes. John, what do you and Vanessa do? Like, let's say that there's something that you both, because let's be realistic, we don't agree on everything all, all the time. Yeah, and, some, yeah. and we have bad days. And mm -hmm. so you can come back from a bad day where you heightened and you're, you know, you just, worked up or whatever and and maybe Vanessa said the same thing and you know there's you have an argument about some tell me about some stupid thing I don't know this happens with Mac and I it's like so it didn't have to become an issue and it becomes an issue because of the state of mind that we're in what do you do and what is your advice to people if that happens because if you can catch this like I can say this 36 years into a relationship if you can recognize these patterns and catch them you can then reduce the amount of times they happen you can get out of them quicker because they're still going to happen but if you know yeah. what to look for, so yeah. what, what would be your advice around something but, uh, like that? Vanessa has a great answer in the book. She says, and this is pulled from her own personal story, a story of someone who, you know, waits too long until it builds up. And then, you know, she says, if you feel in your body any form of resentment brewing, it's already, you, you need to talk about it. So before. That's very good. Before it turns into, you know, a cavity and then before you got to pull the teeth out, the tooth out, when you start to feel resentment. And, and, and I think I like a, that. I think a lot of women generally, I know that's a generalization mm. because they don't want to rock the boat or they don't, you know, they're walking on eggshells or they or they feel like, oh, OK, they could just, you know, sweep it under the rug. They hold a lot of resentment, you know, mm. and then it builds over the years and they've been drifting and they never talked about it. So if you have just a little bit of resentment or you feel like, oh, it's like, it's like your, your tooth is starting to hurt and yeah. it's not quite a cavity, but you, maybe you should go to the dentist when you, when just you just double have check that, it. Yeah. 
just check in with your partner and say, Hey, listen, and you're not coming from a blame. You're, you're, you're saying, Hey, listen, you know, there's something that I'm feeling and maybe something I need to work on. I'm not blaming you, but let's just talk about it. And what that does is that starts to dissolve the resentment. So it doesn't build like decay because emotional plaque <laughs> from a so relationship good. is going to send you to the relationship dentist and it's going to be too late to save, you know, your teeth. The tooth. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's such a great analogy. And so, I mean, that's such a good key point to just as soon as you start feeling that resentment, think of it yeah. like that. It's just yeah. starting, there's something yeah. here that's not quite right. And don't leave it yeah. till it's, and it doesn't mean that it's irreparable. You can go and get a dental implant, but it's not the same <laughs> as your tooth, you know? It's like, right. and it can be, but then it's so much more difficult and so much harder. So, if you can be more proactive. Most couples that we've worked with, hold on to a lot of resentment, a lot of mm. anger. They don't express it. And they're just pebbles in your shoe, right? In the relationship mm. shoe. It's like starts walking funny. You're just carrying a lot of things. And so, yeah, no wonder why then, because it ripples into the bedroom. It ripples yeah. into everything. And everything. so then when someone does one thing, like, you know, leave the socks on the floor, it becomes a huge fight because it was never about the socks. It's the stuff underneath that you've been holding on to that you've been angry about for the last three years. You know, That's so good. That's so good. And what advice would you give people for in that in the moment stuff? Like when you really both sort of heated up, besides now we know that we need to take our clothes off and hold hands. What, I, well, I know, isn't it just the best? What would other you know tips that you could, because maybe the kids are around, so you can't like, take your clothes off or you're at, at the office or something like that. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. What are some in the moment sort of things that you do, you and Vanessa do to kind of get yourself to a calm place where you can connect? You know, the, uh, I know the taking your clothes off may not be practical, but you know what? Holding hands is great. You know, John Gottman yeah. talks about the six second kiss, which I think is really powerful. We try to practice yes. and cause six seconds can be a long time. Right. Yeah. And we get in the pattern of just like pecking and, you know, have a good day, you yeah. know, but to actually kiss for one, two, three, four, five, six that i love that that is connection and it doesn't have to be like tongue time and crazy yeah. sexual but just a connection and so That's beautiful mm. before you get into anything of a conflict i'm not saying to kiss but maybe hugging holding hands maybe Very making good. eye contact just that speed bump you know so you so, so you know good. you're going to respond instead of react most people go into it very hot very loaded and at an angle Right. So there's no room so for good. there's no room for expansion or curiosity. There's just judgment and people pushing other people around. That is so good. You've come up with such basic, practical, easy to use. And the book is filled with this stuff. It's really an excellent book. I highly recommend it to people. Oh, thank it's you. Called, it's it's not me, it's you. I mean, just the title. You've immediately trans, you know, moved on to that let's understand versus being understood. And then yeah. you can have your time. It doesn't mean that you have to completely sacrifice yourself no. as a person. You just Shifting the, the gear a little bit, I want to transition very quickly because I know we don't have much more time. Mm -hmm. I want to respect and honor your time. I want you to transition to, and maybe Vanessa speaks to this more in the book than what you do, but the whole thing of what a, the resentment thing, but mm -hmm. how woman's role, how the, whole, the sort of sexism role, and what triggered yeah. that question was something you said earlier on about how women tend to hold it in. Mm -hmm. And also, I mean, I've grown, I'm 58. I've grown up with an era where you... You know, the woman just serves and you don't yeah, meet your own yeah. needs and you're there to. And the other day I read an article by mistake. It wasn't even intentional. But it was through my, because I do a lot of scientific research daily. And this article came up and it caught my eye and it was how you as a woman should be something like that towards your husband. Mm -hmm. And I read this, okay, this is some religious thing, I'm sure. And it was, yeah. 
but yeah. it was horrific. There was nothing about, I mean, if I had to live like that, I would absolutely resent it. Right. There's a book, it made a New York Times bestseller, and then it got turned into a documentary, becoming very popular because it's hitting a nerve. It's called Fair Play. And it's about, you got to see this if you haven't seen it yet, but it's about the lopsidedness in the household chores. So especially with motherhood, coming from the old blueprint that, you know, men are breadwinners, they go out and work, and then women are left with not only the four kids, but the laundry, the dishes, and they're not supposed to complain. And there's, and, and you know what, since you're at home, since you're a mom, that's your job. And yeah. so we've been, we've been living with and tracing that blueprint ever since, you know, leave it to beaver. <laughs> right? Yeah. Total patriarchal dominant kind of thing. And, and mm-hmm. it, it's, it doesn't work. And I think mm-hmm. right now people are now, especially mothers are standing up and saying, this isn't fair, you know, yeah. and I don't want to just put on an apron and make dinner. I want to have a life. I want to build an empire like you. How can we share in the duty, the household chores, you know, how can we make it 50, 50? And I think that there's going to be a lot of pushback from men who are tracing their dad's definition, right? Like that's a woman's job, you know, I'll move the lawn, but I'm not touching the dishes like that kind of stuff. So there's a huge shakeup right now with this, this kind of stuff. I'm so glad that we've talked about this because this is something Mac and I from day one have never had an issue with this. This has Mm. been from day one, Mac has, he's just not that kind of person. He's just, Mm. He's been behind my career. In fact, he gave up his career to basically do all the financial and logistics side of our business. He's always been the one to 100% support everything yeah. that I'm doing. And we have had so much judgment from society in at certain aspects at certain times of our life about how we've even been asked by people that are religious, who wears the pants in your house? And, you know, the blessings right. come through the man right. and right. how, you know, and I've had to walk out of conversations because I'm not going to speak very nicely to those people because, and yeah. Mac will then stand and say, this is, we are, we are equal partners. We, we both working, we both do everything. Yeah. That's unusual. He is, and you obviously do the same thing. But it, yeah, well, I know I, I struggle unusual. with it as well. But even that, even that, that phrase, who wears the pants is already. Isn't that you know, awful? It, yeah. It's yeah. like, why, why does pants equal you know, superiority, superior, dominance, right. exactly. Because right. no one says who wears the dress, but it shouldn't even be about pants or dress, right? No, but it's, then it's, it's seen as a weakness. Yeah. And so, yeah, men yeah. Will be, I've just heard conversations too recently and in certain places where that has been hammered home. And it's so negative because it's not healthy for, it's not, it's not going to make a healthy relationship. It's not sustainable because mm-hmm. going back to resentment, if you hold on exactly. to these, these these kind of gendered stereotypes, if you hold on to them with two hands and that's how you decide to run your marriage, someone's going to have a lot of resentment. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And that, that tooth is going to be falling out and the whole lot, all the teeth are going to be falling all the teeth. out. So, <laughs> yeah, and, we, exactly. and we see that. We see that in our society. You know, we see a, a yeah. challenge to that. John, do you have any final pearls of wisdom? As I said, people need to get this book that you'd like to share before our next conversation that we have, which I always always enjoy talking to you, but as I said, I'm... We got to stop blaming collectively and start looking inward, myself included. Not only in your intimate relationship, all your relationships, if you do that, it just, the world will be better. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's such a vital pearl of wisdom that you've dropped so many pearls of wisdom. So thank you, John, for your work. Thank Thank you. you to you and Vanessa for an amazing book. Where can people get hold of you and Vanessa and get hold of the book? Instagram. The book is wide. So Amazon. Yeah, Everywhere. anywhere. My handle is at The Angry Therapist and you could find Vanessa because I post about her and stuff. And We'll put those links in the show notes. And 
Um, very excited about your book and look forward to our next time that we talk. I always enjoy so much talking to you. Yeah. It's amazing. Thank you for all you do and thank you for creating this conversation. I think it's oh. an important one to have. So I appreciate it. Thank you. That. It really yeah. is. I mean, this is, we're talking mental health and relationships literally and what you have provided are some major keys just in this conversation about, yeah. you know, seeing beauty in the contrast, understanding, trying to understand versus being understood, the mm-hmm. collective importance of giving, not taking, the pigeons. I mean, so many, the, <laughs> the dentist, pigeons. the cavity, the teeth, you know, I mean, there's just so many valuable the pigeons, insights. The teeth, hilarious. I tell yeah, you, take, there you go. Help take, and don't forget to take your clothes off when you're, and when you're having yes, an argument and hold yes, hands. <laughs> yes, I love, that's my favorite, and I'm going to start practicing that there right There we go. I tell oh. you, I'm sure Vanessa will love it. Thank you so much, John. I look forward <laughs> okay. to seeing you next time. All right, be well. Thanks so much, you too. Bye. Bye. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then... I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.